Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I'm one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of Wannabe Games, and I make role-playing games. And I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Hello, Jess. Um, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games as well. Perhaps someday other types of games. Well, who knows? We'll see. I think, is that is that something you ever think Whoa. about, Jess? Is like doing a <laughs> card game or... Uh, I have board game. Alex and I have already developed a card game. It's it's called dungeon crawlers. You play babies trying to become the chosen baby in a dungeon, quote unquote, where all of the (laughs) traps are baby toys. So yeah, I've thought about it before. It's hard. It's very hard and takes a lot more work. I feel like than an RPG and more money. (laughs) The the beautiful thing about all that, Jess, is I knew that and I set you up. Oh, did you? (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. pretty sure I've talked about that before. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I thought I'd get that out there. Anywho, we have a guest today. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how are back. you? Thanks. It's great to be back. Good to have you. Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself that we or know because you've been a guest on before, but maybe a new audience member is listening and thinking, who is this Jeff person? <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I am the sole employee of uh, Jeff Quest, G-E-O-F-F-Q-U-E-S-T. Oh, God, I can't spell my own names. <laughs> It's a good Saturday. It's a good Saturday. So, um, yes. So, Jeff Quest, I make the. Uh, I have made a role playing game called Boldly Go, which is inspired by Star Trek, as you can tell about from the title. And I work on other stuff in my spare time, some of which might see the light of day relatively soon. Ah, uh, relatively. Tease, like, okay, I feel like everyone's teasing stuff today, and I have nothing to tease, except I guess the first topic of our podcast today, which is. <laughs> something really cool what is it Craig? <laughs> <laughs> we're going pvp today everybody for both topics starting with gming pvp and uh for those of you unfamiliar player versus player or you know their character versus their character this is an interesting topic to me simply because role-playing games to me and i think to many are typically, not always, but typically cooperative endeavors. The idea mm-hmm. is that the char- the players are all portraying characters who are generally working together toward a goal. The GM is uh, creating a, a story in a world and setting obstacles in their way and all that sort of thing. And there might be, you know, like a little argument about like, how do we do this thing? How do we accomplish this? How do we perform this heist? How do we find this dungeon? Whatever. But usually there's not going to be like full-blown brawls <laughs> between uh, the, the player's characters or um, like other PvP things that kind of come into play. I think it's worth looking at, too, as far as like if you've got the unrepentant thief in the group who's not above <laughs> stealing from the other characters and doing that surreptitiously at the table. And so we can kind of dive into all of those things and how to handle that as a GM. Yeah, it's a that's a little tricky, tough spot there. Jeff, I'm curious, you chose this topic. What does that say about you? <laughs> well, actually, I, I chose this topic because I am by nature, uh, both in games and in real life, super conflict avoidy. Mm-hmm. Me too. P- PvP really stresses me out. <laughs> um, <laughs> me too. Yeah. So, so you understand where I'm coming from because some t- there are some players who just who are like, this is a game where we work together to solve problems, and then there are people who are like, well, that's what my character would do, and if my character is going to push your character off of a cliff, <laughs> that's going to happen. And and I've always found it very 
sometimes it depends on the group and and the game but i've always found it kind of stressful and sometimes very difficult to deal with player versus player not just from like a character perspective where it's much easier to deal with because everybody's like i'm in the zone and this is what my character would do well this is what my character would do that's awesome we're totally gonna have this crazy scene versus dear jeff I was very upset when this guy stole my sword for the eighth time. And if you don't make him stop, I'm going to punch him the next time he comes over. And I was like, oh gosh. So yeah. So yes, tips and tricks for 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 GMs who are like me who don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you really touched on the thing that bothers a lot of GMs about PvP. But also, Craig, what you said about role-playing games being cooperative, I think it's the, the, the reason it makes some of us get all squicked out and like anxious is because the times that it is a problem is when the actual PvP conflicts with the cooperative nature of the game. There can be player versus player scenes where they're fighting even, and maybe even trying to kill each other, that are agreed upon, that are cooperative toward a goal point for the story. It's meant to be in a way that's fun for everyone. When it's a problem is when, like, to, I in my experience, it's been one of two things. One, someone's trying to have the, I, I, am, the, I am the main character, everyone else is a side character here, I'm going to do my thing to hell with you all which is a player problem or also another player problem. This is something that has been boiling and boiling and boiling, and it is now finally boiling over. And it's really involving some out of character feelings. And those are the two times I'm like, I hate this. I don't like it. And something needs to stop. And I don't think any GM should have to put themselves in a position where like, oh, well, I guess they're doing this now and I'm going to have to GM it. I think that at any time, if you're the GM and you're feeling uncomfortable, stop and talk about it out of character because something's going wrong. Everyone should be feeling comfortable, including maybe even especially the GM. Yeah, because the GM kind of gets in the middle of it, right? Right. Like if there's if it's two players that are kind of going at it, you've got other players that are just like, you know, hands off, like I'm out of, you know, like this isn't my problem. But the GM, you know, you are by the nature of the role also kind of in a position often of being the adjudicator. So that puts you in that position. Like, I think as always, this is a great topic for session zero. Oh yeah. Um, if your game is going to have uh, PVP sort of stuff going on, everybody kind of needs to be on board with it, or at the very least, like those players who are cool with it need to be upfront about that. And those players who are not need to say, Hey, I don't, I don't mind watching the show, but I don't want to get involved with it my, myself. Right. Other, other than for my character to just make snarky comments from the sideline or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you have that, those boundaries set, that allows you to kind of probably, hopefully, play the game pretty cleanly. But of course, things can spiral. Um, it can get personal. People, somebody can feel personally attacked. Oh yeah. And that and that plays into what you were saying, Jess. Is right. Then that that comes that, that comes the there then comes the point where you have to just say, okay, we're going to take a step back and we're going to talk about this before we go too far down a road that's going to really upset somebody, hurt somebody's feelings, make somebody want to leave the group outright, ruin a friendship, you know, any of those types of things. Yeah. I I think even, even a session zero might not stop something like this from happening. It is something that you have to keep communicating with 
like communicating about there have been times i've enjoyed pvp like fighting with with um other players at the table either like verbally or actually like within the mechanics of the game it can be fun it can be done very well but it does it does require a level of cooperation and emotional maturity and um maybe even a little bit of uh to steal a term from some other areas uh, a little bit of aftercare to check in okay we just had the scene cool right this is all cool does that go okay there's nothing wrong with stepping back when those moments might be a little bit emotional out of the scene out of character maybe maybe okay let's all go take a snack break and go i was just gonna say that's the perfect time bio break snack break check your check your email break you know whatever it is you do Mm -hmm. jeff have you ever had an experience where you have either been the player or the gm but but the play like the pvp went well Yes, I have. And um, I th- a lot of the times it's because it's because PvP is, is actually kind of a very broad category. Mm-hmm. And I always default to everybody gets mad out of game and so they start stabbing one another in game <laughs> or somebody does something in game and people get mad and come after them. But there but I have GM'd games where the PvP works really well. And again, this ties back into the session zero stuff is you say, okay, so one of the things that I like to do are like political games or intrigue games mm-hmm. where it's like, there's a lot of players and a lot of movers and shakers and the players or their characters are like, I like this faction. I want to work with this faction, but I, I don't like those guys. And then inevitably another player is like, well, you're wrong. And I'm working for, or, you know, I'm working for the other side and we're going to play them against the middle. And inevitably when you have a game like that, there's going to be conflict. And I think if you are very clear up front and say, look, you have your goals, they have their goals. You're not going to get everything you want, probably. And you are going to, while you're all sort of in this story together and we're all coming together to play a game, you know, there's going to be friction. And so you have to, we have to talk about how to handle it. And and my core game group has been people who've known one another for a lot of years. And they're very good at like, playing off of one another and gently antagonizing one another and always making sure not to like cross the line. But I, I have a player who, no matter what character they play, they always cause trouble and everybody knows it and it makes things harder for them. And people just roll with it because it makes things more interesting. And that's the kind of stuff that I like where it's, it's like, yes, we're backstabbing one another, but it's also yes. And yes, you backstabbed me. And yeah. I turn around and betray you to the police or whatever. And that works out. Yeah. I, I think like this, the things that it sounds like you have done with your group there are like number one, outlining the goals of the characters. So everyone has a clear understanding of like what's going on and how it relates to their characters' motivations in the story. I think that's always that's always good for you, at least as the GM, to know. And that kind of also helps you gauge whether or not it is really, this is what my character would do, or I'm secretly pissed off at you. And I want to do this to you personally, as a person, as a human being, right. That helps you kind of gauge that. And it sounds like another thing that you've done is like outline the stakes. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to backstab me, but I'm going to turn around and call the police about it. That's always good for a GM to do anyway in it. Like if you are presenting an NPC or some sort of dangerous situation for your players to overcome with their characters outlining the stakes so they know what the consequences are going to be helps you make it fair when 
the thing happens. Like I told you, this is going to happen. Here was the risk and it happened. And it's not because I'm getting my emotions into it either. Like, this is what we agreed on. I have, I have been the player that has made characters that have caused trouble for other people. <laughs> um, and I used to do it bad. I used to do it badly when I was a kid. I remember the first time I ever encountered PvP in a Dungeons and Dragons game was because me and another person at the table decided we wanted to we wanted to side with the slightly evil faction and we did something evil for the slightly evil faction. And the problem was we had a very good guy paladin on our team. So of course the very good guy paladin on our team killed us. I, I mean that was gonna happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not before the village was on fire and an orphanage was burned down and the wizard oh, polymorphed the barbarian into a big dragon. I mean there was a lot that happened and it was bad. It wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it's a good memory for me now, but after that we were like I was like uh yeah, I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna be that asshole again who just essentially tanked the story that our GM was trying to make for us. But uh, I think, again, I was very immature. It was one of my first times ever playing. Mm, no one talked to me about what I should or shouldn't do, and I didn't really have a clear understanding of what my role was as a player in the game, and that I didn't like really get this idea that the GM was a player too and had like this idea that they wanted to like play out yeah just understanding the goals and understanding the the stakes i wish i had known more but then i wouldn't have the fun story to tell (laughs) (laughs) about avari the thief who hated gnomes (laughs) and burned out a village Mm -hmm. accidentally i didn't want that to happen and an orphanage um the (laughs) that's the word that got me but uh, on, on a kind of related to, related to all of that, there's the question of like having an understanding of what's okay as far as frequency mm-hmm. of yeah. this sort of thing. If it's occasional, that's much easier to kind of handle because you can like let everybody kind of cool down and time passes and everybody kind of forgets that like, oh, I was a little irritated at this thing. Maybe they got over it. But, you know, that that's a that's a discussion to have with the players as well about like, is, is this sort of thing cool every game? Because Number one, we all have to be kind of on, on understand that that's going to happen. Number two, realize that you're potentially going to kind of slow the role of the story um, every time you take these little asides. Or um, I had I had my period of playing the character who surreptitiously sided with the evil, with the big bad, right? Partway through a campaign and the other players didn't know it. And eventually it's they started wondering and I was doing stuff kind of against the group. But my GM was very... Uh, intelligent about it and kind of presented it as like, we can do this, but it's only going to be occasional because if it becomes very regular, they're just going to like, your character's either going to have to leave the group or die. Like one or the other is going to have to happen for, because that makes sense for the story. And then there was an end game in mind too, for that sort of thing. So there was a point where the ultimate betrayal happened and he took the artifact and left. And that became a great, a great point in the story. And then I played a character that was completely the opposite. And that was totally like on board with like, I'm here for you. And it was <laughs> um, actually, it was, you know, I was playing, a, it was, a, it was an orc cleric of the goddess of joy, happiness and festivals. And <laughs> he wore bells and spangles and I just got done playing this, this ridiculously deep, dark, difficult character. I was like, I got to play something fun, but yeah, keeping that in mind. And I think maybe too, we can talk a bit about how that plays out and what the GM can kind of keep in mind when it comes 
down to mechanics. And my initial thought was like two, two things to mention. One is if the PVP is more role play oriented and it requires GM adjudication of certain situations sometimes that are done without mechanics, um, be very careful about who gets to win. Because if the same person wins a lot of the time, then that starts to feel like favoritism, even if it just makes sense that they do win or if that serves the story best or whatever your reasoning is as a GM. Um, and also when it comes to the mechanics side of thing is give some thought to the game that you're playing and where the game mechanics might take you as the characters become more powerful in particular. And think about like, well, what's this, what's this level one rivalry going to look like when the characters are level 12 and the fighter and the wizard have been going at it all along, but now the wizard has a, you know, a spell book that's filled with spells that can either a enchant the fighter and end everything or put up defenses that the fighter can't possibly get through. You know, that, that like, that's something to think about. Like if you, if the fighter and the wizard are going to have this friendly rivalry and they're going to put their dukes up and they're going to get into it every so often, there's going to come a point in your typical D and D game, unless you skew things, with magic items and the like that the wizards just kind of kind of outclass the fighter unless the fighter has all the right tools to to be able to match the wizard because that's just kind of the nature of the game um, and the same goes with certain other class combinations there are just certain classes that are going to outmatch for that sort of a scenario if they build the character that way so i guess keep that sort of thing in mind yeah that's all i got to say right this moment you go ahead. you you talk <laughs> <laughs> one of you jeff do you have any other tips I mean, I think, I think definitely making sure everybody's okay. And I also think I wanted to circle back to what you had said earlier about like making sure that you as the GM are okay. Mm -hmm. Like in games that I have been playing more recently in this new enlightened age, we've got all these safety tools, which, you know, talk about you say this or you do this. And, and, you know, and even in a lot of LARPs that I played recently, they have like hand signals that you use where it's like, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Thumbs up. Keep going. Maybe we should dial this back a bit, you know, that kind of thing. But those tools are also there for you, the GM. They're not just for the players to be like, oh, wait, stop. Like you, you should, you should tap your X card when people are like, I, I, I murder this innocent lady. It's like, please, please don't. This is stressing me out, you know, right. or, or whatever. And you can do that in, in, in when, when PVP starts to get too intense, it's like, all right, we're going to stop for tonight. That's that's all the time we have in our therapy session, and we'll come back <laughs> next week, you know, uh, to figure it out. But I, I also think one of the things that I have tried to do uh, for my own sanity, my own benefit, is because I used to do this a lot when I was younger, was morally judge the player for the actions of their characters, where it's like, well, I, I it's 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 a a town of orc children. So I'm just going to murder them all. And I would be like, how could you do that? And, and so now what I do is I say, okay, I'm going to be neutral. I am going to let you, if the, if, if you have a plan and you execute the plan and the roles work and none of the other players are like squicked out about it or, or whatever, we'll play as it lies. And I will be a neutral arbiter, but just remember your actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. Things that you do will will cause you problems and like one character's like okay we're at this murder scene i'm not interested in finding out who did it is there any cool stuff that i can take 
And so it's like, yeah, you took stuff, blah, 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 blah. And so later on, it's like, okay, the police are coming around and like, well, you were seen at the guy's house. Yeah, we were investigating the murder as private citizens. Uh-huh. All right, turn out your pockets. And it's like, well, here's a cigarette case you stole from the guy's house. Guess who's going to jail for a night? And on the one hand, that sort of that could sort of annoy players too. And so we have to talk about that as well. But like if there is a a real functioning world in which these players interact with, where it's not just you stole my sword, so I'm going to stab you or whatever, then there are bigger repercussions for doing things, even just against another player than there would be if it was just like, well, I burned down the orphanage, say, and now we're (laughs) going to leave town and, and it's over the next hill and it never comes up again, you know? Once you have to deal with like, oh, they got arrested for that and now they're in prison and do we break them out or do we leave them? And then we have that conversation out again where it's like, no, you're going to make a new character and we're going to continue the adventure. You know, I think that that makes it easier. And I think if the world is consistent and sort of impartial and as fair as you can make it, where it's like, you did a bad thing. You're going to prison. The players are like, yeah, I totally deserve that. And like, you know, like Craig said, I'm making a new guy. And it's a different guy. And and maybe he won't get arrested and I'll get to the end of the game. I don't yeah. know if that helps, but that's worked for me. No, I think that's totally like that. That hits on a lot of the things that I, I think of too. Again, like I said, when I was playing this game for the first time ever and I didn't understand like my actions have consequences and not just in the game, but the way the other people who are playing with me think and feel about me, I was a little shithead i mean that is i was 13 i i am allowed right yeah i was learning we all do that though right. i mean i know i did that for years so yeah <laughs> but my intentions also weren't like good i was kind of trying to be a little jerk but let's assume let's assume some positive atten- intentions let's assume that these players want to play in this fleshed out world that you've created let's assume that they are interested in their consequences having, or their actions having interesting consequences that relate to the game. So you as the GM can use some of this, this player versus player stuff to increase the intrigue. Like Craig's example of his character with, that always sided with the bad guy. I like that the consequence was, well, you're either going to like completely ruin the plans that the other heroes have been up to or you're going to die. And really the interesting thing is that your character dies because then the story can continue on unless, unless the actual final scene that everyone had been intending was this final showdown. Then you as a GM can have this conversation off the side, like talk to that player out the side. You can keep the secret. You can keep the intrigue there and say, okay, here's what, like, what are you thinking about for your character's arc? Cause this is really, we want this, this conflict to have a resolution, this story arc, which we're all like really trying to get to in our games. We want the conflict to have a resolution. What are you thinking about for this arc? Are you going to have a redemption story? Do you want that? Or do you want to be, do you want to die evil? Or do you want to live long enough to see yourself become the hero? What do you want? Have that conversation and add it to the game. Uh, That can make, it, it, it can make the game more fun. And maybe even for that final showdown, you have already established with this other player, like you're, I'm going to control your player for the final showdown as an as a villain, and that's when you're going to introduce your next character. 
that's when you're going to introduce smiles and sunshine. <laughs> right. Right. At that moment, we can switch it out like this. We'll, we'll even bring him in. I'll bring him in as a little NPC and you can play him when this, when the time comes and then you can, you can enjoy the, the fight kind of on the outside. Maybe they want that. Maybe they don't, you can talk about it. And then the example Craig had with the, with the fighter and the wizard, again, in a story, we are looking at this character development. We want an, an arc to it and a resolution. I like the kind of like, not cat and mouse, but like the, the cat and dog type fighting throughout, throughout a series thing. I love a little bit of rivalry. Uh, friendly rivalry, I should add. How is that going to be resolved? Is it going to still be they are still rivals at the end? Are they going to have a moment? Are they going to go from rivals to lovers? What's going to happen? Talk about <laughs> it with the players. What are that's they? That's the best. That's the best end story to rivals. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, everybody. If loves there's that. anything, if if Much Ado About Nothing taught me anything, it's that. Yes, my favorite <laughs> oh, my Shakespeare play. My favorite one. Same. Yes. Same. Yes. So I mean. Talk, ask ask about the resolution. Where do they see the endpoint, and work it into your game? You might yeah. make something really really cool that way, and then you have gotten everyone on the same page with their goals, which is ultimately the cooperative gameplay that we want so much in our games. Bam! Problem solved. Yes. Yeah. Never going to happen to your table ever again. You're never going to have a little mini Jessica trying to <laughs> your game. Just, just sit back and relax and it'll be fine. <laughs> Number one tip, don't play with 13-year-olds. <laughs> Number two tip, talking <laughs> players. Oh, man. Well, what about what about our game design, though? Like, what are, what are we doing in our game design to solve the pvp problem because if D &D, uh, or embrace it or embrace it D &D had maybe some stuff in there yeah from the designing standpoint i found myself realizing that i've done a bit of it in my games and so i might talk about some of those as we talk here but you know i think there are games that um that do pvp very very well notably a number of different powered by the apocalypse games are built to have that sort of conflict between the characters. So those are always good games to look at as far as like, there's usually, you know, there's like something happens that creates a conflict between characters and that triggers a move and you make, you, you make the role and it, it changes the dynamic of, of the story in some way by changing something about the story, bringing about a complication, creating um, a link or breaking a link between characters doing that sort of thing. But I, I think one of the things to keep in mind most for me, and I'm sure we can all expound on our, our thoughts as your thoughts as well, um, is being very mindful of anything mechanics oriented and how it is balanced to deal with that sort of thing. Because like we talked about, or I talked about anyway, in the, the jamming section is that the different types of characters who become very disparate in power and killability <laughs> and murderability and capability can create real swings and, and make PvP more difficult to deal with. It's it's one of those things that you kind of be mindful of, of how it works and try to, I think, if if you want to embrace it, if you want it to be a part of the game, is to be uh you know, to to think about how it will be utilized by all different types of characters, all different types of builds, and keep it relatively even as much as possible i have just read well again i read dread recently and i think dread does a really cool thing with ppp uh it says right in the game 
you're playing kind of these um, horror moments, high stakes, high emotions, high stress. Of course, the characters are going to come into conflict with each other. Here's how to handle it. Nothing can have like a real serious consequence unless you want to make the, the decision to pull a block. When you pull a block, there's always a chance that you, your character is going to be removed from the game. Uh, and that is the, that is the consequence that everyone has agreed with. Um, very similar to the jamming thing, outline the consequence within the PVP section, what's going to happen. The other thing I like about dread is that it is outlined in the game that you, you, the things that you do cannot kill or otherwise remove from the game, another character, because that's a permanent thing in the game. Then they're dead or they went to jail or they, you know, got lost in the mist, whatever is happening in your game. I like that because it puts the, it puts the consequences on the instigator the most. And I think that that is kind of a necessity in a PVP situation because it kind of mitigates the, the, the potential of, of in-game bullying for, for lack of a better word there. I like that in dread that, yeah, you want to do this. You are taking this consequence. It's laid out in the game. The, the ultimate consequence is if you pull this block to do it, you're, you might die. If this, if the tower falls over, something bad will happen to you, not to the other person while still also allowing for some PVP. Cause up until that point, it's just like, oh, I got to punch him. Well, I'm going to dodge, whatever. And you can still have that PVP, but no actual consequences are going to happen. I, right. I, I would really recommend if you're including PVP in your game to go read that section. It's really interesting. I haven't ever played Dread, but that that's great. That's really cool. And that actually puts me in mind of other, I don't remember them off the top of my head, of other games that I've played where it's like, your actions have consequences, like explicitly in the game for you, not for other players. Mm-hmm. And like, I ran a LARP once where it's like, you can make packs with terrible monsters and they will give you stuff, but your corruption will go up. And one of the players said, is it possible in this game to gain corruption by accident? Like if I read a thing or move a thing or talk to somebody, will I come away with that? And I said explicitly, no, this is a choice that you make. It will be an explicit choice. It won't be like, oh, you pick that up. Ha ha ha. So, so they, they know like, like with the, the dread thing, it's like, if you do this, you are in danger. Everybody else might have a problem, but you're the one who has their neck on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that makes it better. And I also like the idea of, of basically moving PVP to pure role-playing, not role-playing with dice mechanics so mm-hmm. that it's like, will I push him? Will I yell at him? Will we walk around the house and 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 scream at one another and then we don't talk to one another? And then it's like, okay, next scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I limiting it. I like the idea of just limiting it to role play too. Because, I mean, I've, I've made some games where if I added PVP within the mechanics, it would kind of break the game. It's, it, I don't want to take the time to balance it because I don't think it fits. But I, I might have just said, yeah, if you want to fight, it's only going to be role play. You can't do something to another character. That's not how this game works. That's fine to put in the game if that's what you want. Yeah. When looking at uh, the stuff that I've designed, I like I realized like mergers and acquisitions has specifically like an intra-party conflict um, optional rule that has thematic. to do with like it's, it's a thematic thing. It has a, a mild mechanic kind of thing involved in it. It's really 
but it's uh, it's built on the idea of you when you start the game, everybody you you have to decide that your character likes, dislikes, or is neutral about each of the other characters, and there has to be somebody you like, and there has to be somebody you dislike. Um, and that can change from game to game because people who work in an office like are pissed off at other people on different days for different reasons, right? So, and then if you if you like someone when they uh, when you go to help them, you can gain, you can, it's more, it's easier to help them, but you have to declare that you've made them your like somehow mm-hmm. within the game system. So you've now revealed something about your character. Like at this moment in time, you're my buddy. Um, and if you, <laughs> if the person, if a person that you dislike at that moment fails, you can gain a resource, but you have to declare by taunting <laughs> them and mocking them for their failure. <laughs> Which gains you something, but also now risks the fact that like, oh, you've, you've revealed to them that you, you picked them as the, <laughs> somebody that you disliked and there's going to be another game session. And now I get, I get to do that to you next time. And so it becomes, it becomes a balancing act that just plays back and forth. And then it occurred to me also that Die Laughing is straight up a PvP game. Oh yeah, I was going to bring um, that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> the game, in the game, you're all playing um, characters in a a uh, horror comedy movie everybody's going to die except one of you um maybe all of you are going to die and the uh, basic mechanics of it is you play out a, every time you play out a scene at the end of it you make a check everybody who's in the scene makes a check to determine how things went for them in the scene if they fail things went poorly and if they succeed things went well mechanically if you fail you lose a die out of your die your your dice pool and your dice pool is your countdown to your death and if you succeed, you make someone lose a die out of their dice pool. <laughs> so if we were playing and I every time I succeeded, I made Jess lose a die out of her dice pool. I'm increasing the chances that my character is going to survive the game because I'm bringing Jess, Jess's character closer and closer to death. But I'm also very clearly telling her I'm after you. <laughs> and she can do the same thing back to me and make deals with people at the table to come after me. And I've had people like somebody wants so one. I've seen games. I've, I've played in games where one person kind of was like picking on their friend, like having fun, just kind of like, I'm going to make you lose the die. I'm going to make you lose the die each time. And then that person got everybody at the table in a big group scene to hit that person. And they lost all their dice in one shot. And like, boom, the monster shows up, tears them to shreds. And then even after that is all done, if your character is gone and you take all of that, you become a producer on the movie. You, you continue to play and you get to mess with the story, spending producer points, and the players can't touch you. You're no longer part of, the, of that story of who's going to die in the horror movie. So there's a constant back and forth and there's a constant risk reward for, for making the choices to, to PvP. And at the same, you know, and because of the nature of the game, I've seen games where everybody's been very equitable. Like everybody just kind of goes down slowly at the same rate because everybody just kind of spreads the, the dice losing around, um, which makes a fine game too because nobody goes PvP really. But an, but yet, then you end up having a, like a, a final scene or two where all the characters die very very quickly and it's very exciting. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's one of the cool things about die laughing. This is this is not a listeners, dear listeners. This is not a podcast where we just gush about Craig's games. I legitimately <laughs> think that this is a really cool PvP mechanic. Is that it has a built-in balance where not only is stuff happening in game, but you can also kind of think about these things out of game and the consequence is fun it's a fun consequence to die or to get someone else to die and it's meant to happen in the game not every game needs to have pvp 
it, it's not necessary. Uh, can you imagine if there was PVP in a game like Wander Home? That might be the most diametrically opposed idea yeah. for a game of Wander Home is anything because Wander Home is so quaint and friendly. And Exactly. Yeah. The thematic yeah, elements, the mechanical elements are not designed to have conflict in that way. So be intentional with that. If you are developing a lot of fighting kind of mechanics in your game do think about the fact that like if you're designing a fantasy game think about the fact that there are going to be characters that will want to fight each other if i was designing the avatar the last airbender game there's inter character fights all the time in that game now of course the stakes for that are a little lower the only really high stakes are when the characters are fighting the bad guys but there's still some so you want to think about are, do the stakes match your theme? And are you writing those consequences in there to, to make it make sense? But you don't have to. You don't have to include it at all. You can explicitly say, you get to make the rules. You can say no fighting. Be, <laughs> right. Be nice. Yeah. Like another great example is if you're doing a supers game, there's very many, and we've seen it especially in the Marvel movies. They yeah. love putting the, the, the heroes at odds with each other. Thor shows up in the Avengers and is immediately sort of an antagonist. And it's a question of like, you know, people, they get into a fight. We get to see, okay, well, what happens when Thor's hammer hits Cap's shield? And then, you know, the Hulk gets to punch Thor out of the frame <laughs> <laughs> and, and that scene. And so like, okay, well, that's how that ends. Hulk wins. Right. <laughs> but Thor is a god, so he's not going anywhere. He's just like a little, you know, he's going to have to go have a, a few beers and 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 feel better about himself. Um, so, but that's what the game does. So if you have a game you know, or what the movie does, if, that, if you have a game that that's kind of the thing, that PvP is more rivalry and one-upsmanship, then lean into it hard. You can lean into it hard, especially if it's just going to end up being kind of role-play stuff that comes out of it, like the character has to go home with their tail between their legs or they make a bat and you lose a bat so the character has to lose something but it's not going to kill a character it's not going right. to name them or you know permanently hurt their capability within the game i'm remembering now a game that i made um with alex it was one of the games we made on a stream and it was inspired by the movie hobbs and shaw which um <laughs> is a fast and furious movie starring dwayne the rock johnson and jason statham as Hobbs and Shaw, I can't remember which one is which. <laughs> but doesn't matter. In yeah, in their contracts, in the in the actors' contracts, it said that they are not allowed to lose a fight in the in the movie, and they have to have like equal times. Like if they get beaten, if they like take a hit, they have to give a hit. Like they always have to either come out at neutral or on top with each other. And that meant in this movie that is ostensibly about a rivalry between Hobbs and Shaw, there was never going to be a chance. Like the one-upmanship had to even out where neither of them were losing more than the other. So we made a game called <laughs> we made a game called Contractually Obligated to the Extreme. And <laughs> I love it. And the yes. whole idea, the whole idea is that it's it's you're actors in a movie and you cannot you cannot ever be beaten nor can you ever beat your rival you have to remain on equal terms so there there's some fun stuff in action <laughs> movies i don't really remember the mechanics of this game oh to be i want to play i want to play this but game so I'm bad gonna have to, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go That's look through it so again fun. um 
but yeah, it I remember me- thinking you're like, oh yeah, well, let's let's make this game where like you can't punch me more than I punch you. It's funny. <laughs> Just a quick aside, it makes me think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they brought all the cartoon characters from the different studios together and they had it in, they had it in the contract. I don't know how many people remember this anymore now that we're so distanced from the movie, but they had it in the contract for the movie between like um Disney and Warner Brothers and everything at the big scene at the end where it's all the car- cartoon characters. They had they had it right down to the like the minutia of a character from what studio speaks first. The response has to be a character from the other big studio. You can't have a bunch of Warner Brothers characters all speak first and then have a Disney character. There has to be a back and forth. Who gets to speak first? Who gets to speak last? Porky Pig gets the end. So, you know, somebody else, somebody um, um, not Looney Tunes gets the beginning, you know, because Porky Pig says, that's all folks at the end. You know, like they had this whole rundown of like screen time, how many you can see together on the screen at the same time. You can't have lingering shots of certain studios, cartoon characters, because they had to all be presented as equals because that was unprecedented at the time to have all these characters appear in the same film together. Wow. Okay. So what we're learning today as game designers is go look at the contracts (laughs) (laughs) of movie stars and or cartoons. So this was this was sort of an issue for me too when I was designing Bold to Go because uh, since it's based on Star Trek, Star Trek is about a team who does things, but they also have philosophical differences about the ways in which they do things. And so one of the things that I I was very cognizant of going into the game is I was like, there's a mechanic where if you work together things become a lot easier and you're more likely to succeed and you are encouraged. Like a lot of things in the rules are like, this will help you work together. This will also help you work together. So, so one game that I ran, the player's like, we could just pull all of our dice and beat every single challenge you throw at us. Ha ha. And I'm like, Oh no, you figured out how the game works. <laughs> like you have, you, you haven't beaten me. That's the point. Um, but one of the ways that, I sort of get around, I encourage PVP in certain ways is it's called the ethical dilemma. And the typical one that I always say is there's a species of people that are dying. And Spock is like, well, logically, we can only save a small handful of people and the rest will have to die. And then you've got McCoy who's like, no, damn it. I'm a doctor. We have to save them all. And so <laughs> when when that scene ends, they had an argument. Both of them pinged aspects about their characters box logical mccoy wants to save everybody and you get points for that that you can spend later on to do actions in other scenes so in a way it encourages a very specific type of pvp which is the polite debate pvp that you see a lot on screen and one of the other things that i realized when i was making the game is you know you've got ranks and everybody's different ranks and so like i should have a player play the captain and one of the things that i was worried about was that I'm the captain. You have to listen to me, no matter how insane or ridiculous or silly my orders are, no matter what your fun is or what you want to do. If I tell you to do something, you have to do it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want that. That's going to cause a problem. So I figured out rules so that the captain is actually a support character so that you, you're like, well, if the captain orders you to do something, you get a bonus and the captain can spend their points to help you. But What that means is that the captain kind of wants to give you orders for the thing that you're already doing. So it helps the whole teamwork aspect, but you can still have that, that conflict where it's like, I I don't know if we could do this. It's like, 
you have to, I'm telling you, we have to. And it's like, all right. So, so it's a way. And I think, I think the whole thing that we're coming at is that if you are aware that there is PVP or if you want PVP, you can hard code it explicitly in the rules, how you want to control that PVP so that it works for you instead of turning into a big actual fight at the table. Which is, that would not be very Star Trek if like Spock no. and McCoy started strangling <laughs> each other. Absolutely. Right, not. right. <laughs> Spock and Kirk fight a few times, but I don't think Spock ever took a swing at No, uh, and McCoy, it, was, it was always Even when very... he was overcome with his human emotions. Exactly. Yes. It was always very much in line with the rest of the vibe. Uh, yeah. And you, you never want anything to go out of the vibe. I, I think that's like the 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 problem with PVP in a game like Dungeons and Dragons is that the vibe is so, how many times can I say vibe? The vibe is so like (laughs) wide and like, there are all these different fantasy things that you can pull from Lord of the Rings. There is some PVP like Boromir versus Frodo, right? There's a little bit there, but for the most part, they're very cooperative or you might be looking at, uh, gosh uh children of blood and bone where there's so much inner character conflict between the main characters and fighting and things like that like there's this huge wide range of things so what is thematic within the pvp isn't really defined the boromir and frodo thing makes uh makes me think of like i don't have the mechanic ready to go in mind but like you could develop a mechanic where there are forces at work as part of the game in the game world that can instigate pvp but the like you know boromir's uh, versus frodo because boromir is possessed of the ring like the ring is influencing him and he's coveting the way Gollum did and um so and you know and you get the great moment of like well he's doing all that but he's influenced by the ring we understand that and then when he's free when he breaks free of the ring's influence then he has the heroic death spoilers for a movie 20 years old Um, (laughs) and a book even older (laughs) um but you could you can build that sort of thing into the game into into your game if you want to encourage certain types of pvp you could be like okay there's ways that we can have it be the character is influenced by something the players understand that this can happen in the game and it's not me craig coming after you jeff it's my character being influenced in some way and that for the purposes of the story at some point i'm going to break free of that or it's going to call my ruinous downfall and i'm going to go on to play an orc that wears bells right <laughs> you know and but but you can kind of build all that stuff into the game to uh, that gives you an excuse and it, it gives, gives a you, character arc yeah and it and it it allows you to set up the redemptive moments and the the heroic deaths and the the uh you know the 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 rivals becoming best friends or lovers um, <laughs> <Gimli> and <laughs> yes yeah it, it gives like when when something else is acting on it when it when that influence is removed it automatically opens up the opportunity for now the character has a way to make up for what happened and that can be all sorts of wonderful story moments and the oh, design yeah. can reflect that a lot of really good stuff i mean like i said i'm always looking for a way to I don't want to say constrained, but let's say channel the the combative energy of players at the table into telling better and more interesting stories. And I do think that intercharacter conflict, as we've seen from like all of our favorite books and TV shows, is a really 
cool, interesting thing that we talk, oh, did you see Buffy and Spike? Blah, 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 you know, <laughs> and and like if there is a way to harness that so that it is not simply, well, you stole my character's magic sword, so I staple you to a tree with this axe. And <laughs> now we have a fight in the driveway. Not that I'm pulling from history here. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's good. I think that leads to better role-playing and better games and also less less tension in our friend group. So I learned some stuff today and and I'm going to try and implement it in my games too. And And I think that's great. Spoken like a true mediator. <laughs> Thanks. Please Jeff. don't hurt one another or me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, for coming on and talking about PvP with us. No, no punches were thrown. It was great. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Well, tell us uh, about where we can find you online or what you have to promote. So, uh, as I've talked about, I have Boldly Go, my Star Trek inspired role playing game. Uh, that you can find at jeffquest, G-E-O-F-F-Q-U-E-S-T dot com or on DriveThruRPG. I just released a really spiffy GM screen that I'm very proud of. Uh, I'm also working on uh, Season 1, which is a series of 16, as of right now, interlinked adventures that you can play as a Boldly Go campaign. Uh, and I'm working on Somewhere in Time, which debuted in, at Gen Con this past year to you know, the acclaim of eight people that I played with, which was basically a, uh, it lets you play Gary seven flavored time travel adventures in boldly go. And hopefully that'll, that'll work. (laughs) I'll keep you posted. Yeah. That sounds fun. Thanks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Joska, or you can find my games at wannabegames.com or on drive through RPG or on itch under the same name. Wannabe games. You can get the backer kit for The Means of Magic at tmom.backerkit.com. And The Means of Magic digital version is going to be released late September. And uh, I'm at NerdBurgerCraig on Twitter. Uh, my website is nerdburgergames.com. Uh, the games are all up on DriveThruRPG. The Patreon for uh, getting artwork and other uh, early work done for Keeper Cyber is underway. Patreon.com slash NerdBurgerCraig. And the uh, uh, Kickstarter for Code Warriors coming up September 27th. That is a game that is essentially Tron meets Mad Max. You play a program living in a computer world. The computer is crashing. It is the apocalypse. Everything is falling apart. So that's coming. (laughs) That sounds awesome. That's four years in the making. Woo. (laughs) Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, released under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs, and thank all of you for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.